Yes, this is it, ladies and gentlemen. This is the one, the animation podcast. A weekly podcast about all things animation brought to you by Filmbook. My name is Matt Brunet, but some of you may know me as Animat from my YouTube channel, Electric Dragon 505, home of web series that are all about animation, including animation look back and Animat's reviews. Now, if this is your first time here in the animation podcast, well, let's just say that you came in at a particularly very interesting time. Uh, you'll see soon enough as to why. But with the stories that we have for you today, yeah, we don't have a whole bunch like last week, but we do have some interesting ones that are worth discussing. First and foremost, we're going to be looking into the brand new trailer of Teen Titans Go to the Movies and how it could possibly be the biggest surprise of the year. Then afterwards, we will be paying our respects to a Disney animator and also probably an underrated Disney animator once you learn about him. Then afterwards, we will be talking about Butch Hardman's new job. Then after that, we're going to be talking about DreamWorks Animation and how they really are expanding their company to become something new and something far more different than what they used to. And finally, we're going to end things off with Animat's Pick of the Week. Now, if you want to check out more episodes of the Animation Podcast, then all you have to do is head on down to Filmbook, which is film-book.com, by searching the Animation Podcast. You can also email us at podcast.filmbook.com with the animation podcast in the subject line. And so, for our first story we have for you today, we got a brand new trailer that was released. And very surprisingly enough, this is actually a trailer that's been, really been, well, surprising everybody. This was something that's been really turning heads and people thought that this was easily going to be the worst animated film of the year. People wanted to say that this is the Emoji Movie 2. But that's starting to appear a lot less often now. And the trailer really did prove itself. And what I'm talking, of course, is actually going to be the first full official trailer of Teen Titans Go! to the movies. Now, in here, they actually did reveal a whole lot more than they actually did in the teaser trailer, where we do look into what the story is, and we do see a lot more of what the characters want. Okay, so we already know the basis of the plot is that the Teen Titans, they really want to have a movie, because all other superheroes have their own major motion picture. But in this case right over here, the motive is actually... A lot deeper than you may think. Now, the Teen Titans, they really want to have their own movie, not because of the sake of having their own movie because everyone else has one, but because they want to prove themselves to be real heroes. And that's kind of the big goal of the movie. That's kind of their big motive. That's what they want the most, is that they want to be taken seriously as real superheroes. You know, they want to be seen in the veins of like Wonder Woman, Superman, Batman, and all those guys. They want to be viewed as them. But uh, they try their best, even going to the Warner Brothers lot, and things aren't necessarily as successful. So they decided that they want to go and get an arch nemesis. So luckily enough, they actually found Slade, which is actually going to be voiced by Will Arnett. That's actually his role. I honestly, I thought that he was going to be Batman in this, you know, like reprising his role from like the Lego movies 
But no, it turns out that he's actually going to be Slade. Oh, and by the way, as for Batman, I'm just going to say right now, he is actually going to be voiced by Jimmy Kimmel. But anyways, going back to the story, uh, they want to make an arch nemesis out of Slade, but from there, Slade would go and really mess things up and really go and kind of like control Los Angeles, control Hollywood, and control the minds of all the DC superheroes, except for the Teen Titans. So it's going to be up to them to go and save the world from Slade. And you know what's actually very interesting is that when I saw this trailer released, I thought that it's going to happen like before where people are just going to bash it because it's Teen Titans Go. Considering that it does have an infamous hate-dumb, I thought this was going to be another thing, kind of like what they treated with the teaser trailer where they're just going to give it a mountain of dislikes and you're just going to see a whole bunch of nasty comments that would be that would go even far worse than anything I would say towards Sony Pictures Animation. Like, you know, they, they would just go insane and ballistic to give it as much hate as possible just because it's Teen Titans Go! and they have an unhealthy grudge against the series. But this is honestly not the case! This is actually something that people look at this and they were genuinely impressed, like even with me. Uh, I'm going to be very honest with you guys. I thought that, okay, chances are, considering all the things that I've heard about Teen Titans Go, maybe this is not going to turn out good. But either way, I, I would want them, like, no matter how it turns up, like, I just, like, I would keep on saying, I want them to go insane on it. If they're going to go bad, you're going to go absolutely crazy with it, you know? Just be an absolute spectacular, rather if it's going to be good or bad. But then after watching this trailer, I thought to myself okay, maybe this might actually turn out to be good, like legitimately good because there is a prominent story going on. There is a prominent background to the characters. Like you see their motives, you see what they want to do. And on top of that, this is hilarious. There's a lot of really good jokes in here. Oh my God, it, it, it's hard to really know where to start. Like there is that tone that you would find in the Teen Titans Go series, but then there's a lot more hilarious jokes. Like they would even th make a throwback to uh, Waffles with uh, Slade just telling them, it's like, okay, what are you gonna do? Fart on me? Are you gonna annoy me with Waffles? And you see them, it's like, oh, uh, let's not talk about that. <laughs> uh, so that was actually really funny. And there was actually one moment where they actually mistaken Slade for Deadpool. So in this trailer alone, they would actually make more Marvel jokes than in the Lego Batman movie. So the trailer actually does much more than what they did in there. And also probably one of my favorite jokes actually is right at the beginning where they actually did show some impressive anim animation actually emulating uh, the Batman animated series. And then, like, you see the Teen Titans, they were excited to see the trailer of what would be their movie. But it actually turns out to be a movie based on Alfred, Batman's butler. And honestly, it was not only hilarious, but I thought to myself, you know what? I would actually be down to see an Alfred movie. I mean, come on, let's be honest. For anybody listening, raise your hand if you legitimately want to see an Alfred movie. Yeah. That's what I thought. And um, also, I just want to go back into mentioning a little bit about the reaction towards uh, the Teen Titans Go movie. 
like I said before, I thought this was really going to be something that the haters are just going to go and attack on it and all that kind of stuff, but it's really less likely because this is a trailer that, I'm going to be very honest, this is probably the most successful trailer to an animated film I've seen this year. And the reason why I say that is that this really is turning doubters into optimists. I mean, sure, you're you like you're going to get a whole bunch of bombastic haters trying to give it uh, so many dislikes, but I'm currently looking at the uh, YouTube channel of Warner Brothers Pictures and uh, their video on Teen Titans Go to the Movies of the official trailer, and there are actually a lot more likes than there are dislikes. And even looking down at the comments, I honestly thought to myself that okay, Maybe, like, you're gonna see a lot of insane comments. Like, you, you guys know how YouTube comments can be. Like, they can be vicious. They can be brutal. They can be, like, savage. It's like an entire war zone down there. But not really. Like, you'll find a few hateful, spiteful comments just purposely bashing Teen Titans Go for no reason. But I actually do see a whole lot more comments on people actually saying that Despite them not really being fans of the show, they actually really like this trailer. Like, this, uh, like honestly, this trailer alone is actually convincing more and more people that this might actually be worth watching, not just because, like, oh, it's funny, it's Teen Titans Go, but this could actually turn out to be a legitimately good movie. So... People, in a way, they're actually wrong when they would say that, oh, this is going to be the next Emoji Movie. This is going to be the Emoji Movie too. But from what I see in this trailer, I feel like this might actually turn out to be the Lego Batman Movie too, where it's going to be an entire satire on DC movies and also would turn out to be its own superhero film so it leans more into the comedy but it does have superhero aspects while it does have uh, some fun little jabs at superhero films in general not just with uh, dc films but also with some marvel films especially like with the little gag that they have with deadpool and all that kind of stuff and you know what that would actually be really funny and really ironic considering that if you could imagine if Teen Titans Go to the Movies does actually come out to be really good and if it actually does get good reviews and all that kind of stuff just imagine this like that would actually mean that Teen Titans Go is actually better than any other DC extended universe movie that is not Wonder Woman Teen Titans Go actually did a lot better than stuff like Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice, better than Suicide Squad, better than Man of Steel, better than Justice League. That would be insane to think about, but yeah. Hey, but you know, I just gotta say, it really does prove how animation can be superior to live action sometimes. So, yeah, and also, oh, that's actually one thing I, I, I want to comment that I want to uh, mention about this trailer is actually regarding the animation. For me, I wasn't really expecting much because as it is a movie based on a TV show, of course, it's going to keep a little bit of the same quality. Like, it's going to deliver the similar type of animation that you would get from Sony Pictures Animation, where it's kind of like amateurish cartoony animation that's more like Saturday morning cartoons than uh, treating it like an actual feature film. 
But in this case right over here, this does look like they're going to go a little more up and beyond than what they would actually do in the TV show. Like, this is, like, honestly, this is not going to be, what, for, at least from what I'm seeing in the trailer, this is not treating itself like an extended episode, but rather, they're going to treat itself more like a movie where they're going to go a little more up and beyond and actually do more with the animation. Now, I'm not saying that this is going to be perfect. I'm not saying that this is going to be amazing. Like, this is going to be the best animated film of the year. Like, I, I, I'm not saying that at all. Like, I, I, I still can see that maybe it's going to have some flaws into it. And uh, I'm already seeing that, yeah, maybe this is not going to be up there in the ranks of, like, what I've already seen with Isle of Dogs. But this is honestly very promising. And, yeah, this could actually turn out to be a really good animated feature film. And I just want to say... Based on the trailers alone, like maybe in the future, uh, my mind can be changed. But honestly, from what I see in the trailers of uh, some of the animated films coming out this summer and this year, I can already tell that Teen Titans Go to the Movies is going to be way better than Hotel Transylvania 3. Like, I've had a lot more fun looking at this trailer than I did with the Hotel Transylvania trailer. And on top of that... This is way better, like, I am convinced, this is a way better and way superior trailer than the one for Smallfoot. Now, if you guys remember last week, Warner Brothers also released a brand new trailer to another upcoming animated feature that they're going to bring out this year, which is Smallfoot. And honestly, Teen Titans Go uh, actually does a better job than what Smallfoot delivered. And say what you will regarding the animation of Teen Titans Go, at the very least... They know how to draw eyeballs more than they do with Smallfoot. Seriously, like I said before, the eyes are just so badly done. They're just so poorly made that it almost makes that trailer unwatchable. At least with Teen Titans Go, they have their own style. They know what they're doing. But with Smallfoot, I don't think they know what they're doing with the eyes at least. So, yeah, overall, I gotta say, I am highly impressed with what they did with the trailer for Teen Titans Go to the Movies, and honestly, I'm actually excited to go watch it now, and honestly, for different reasons. Now, I'm actually excited to see an actual good animated feature film, something that could be in the veins like what we got last year with the Lego Batman movie. So... If you guys are excited like, like me to go and check out the good animated film that's going to be coming out this July, then all you guys have to do is wait until July 27th to see Teen Titans Go! on the big screen and maybe change your mind about the whole thing that maybe they can do some good stuff. Okay, so for our next story that we have right over here, we're going to be talking about a man who has sadly passed away this week. And this is another unsung hero of animation since he has contributed a lot to the Disney company and he did a lot of his uh, animation services for them working on so many legendary animated features. And who I'm going to be talking about is a man known as Dave Michener. Sadly, Dave Michener has uh, passed away this week at the age of 85. 
And uh, if I may, if I may read a little bit from my source here on the Hollywood Reporter, uh, it stated that Michener, a nephew of Pulitzer Prize-winning author James Michener, died February fifteenth at his home in Los Angeles due to complications of a virus. His wife Donna said so. It's been a little while, but now the word has been out that he has passed away. And now at this point, you might be wondering who is. Uh, Dave Michener, who is this man and what did he do for Disney? Well, he actually did a whole lot. So going back into my source, uh, like the very beginnings, it stated, born in Los Angeles on November 5th, 1932, his father was an architect who designed some of the iconic buildings in the Miracle Mile district. Michener caught a big break when Walt Disney himself saw his work at the Chu. Uh, at the uh, Chouinard Chuin Art Institute in Los Angeles. The studio head was so impressed, he called Machener to offer him a job upon graduation. Within weeks of being hired, Machener did animation on TV's Mickey Mouse Club, then, assistant, uh, then assisted Milt Call, one of Disney's nine old men, for seven years. He had a hand in nearly every animation feature the studio produced during the next three decades. And from there, he would go and work on numerous of animated films beginning in uh, 1956, I believe they mentioned when he was hired. Yeah, like um, he was hired in 1956 all the way up to his retirement in 1987. And the films that he would work on would include Sleeping Beauty, Mary Poppins, The Jungle Book, 101 Dalmatians, Winnie the Pooh, and The Blustery Day, The Aristocats. And what could be his biggest credit is actually a, and also the last job that he did at Disney was being a co-director for The Great Mouse Detective. And on top of that, he also did some other stuff as well where um, he actually was a consultant after working at Disney where he would be a uh, consultant with Hanna-Barbera on their animated films, which would include Jetsons the Movie and also Once Upon a Forest. But when you would talk to people regarding his works at Disney, apparently his biggest task and his biggest contribution to what he did for the company is actually make some animation, not for the animated features, but rather for the attractions. He was actually credited to do a lot of animated work for Epcot rides in Walt Disney World. In fact, he was actually credited to be the man who did all the animations that would include Figment from Journey into Imagination. And he also did the animation for the Tokyo Disneyland attraction, Meet the World. So throughout that whole time, he really did work hard to serve some animation duties for Disney. And the final work that he has ever done, like the last thing, was actually uh, his, uh, la what his last project is, is uh, illustrating a children's book in 2000 known as How Butterbees Came to Be. So... Overall, when it comes to the works of Dave Michener, he really is one of those unsung heroes at Disney who actually did work almost as long as uh, Floyd Norman working on the like working at Disney ever since the 50s and just continued working so hard for them 
ever since doing so many different animation jobs and not just on the animated projects but also working on uh, the di like some projects for the Disney parks especially with some animations for Epcot because I can recall back in the early days of Epcot they actually do feature a lot of hand-drawn moments and it's not just in Journey into Imagination either there are some other attraction uh, some other attractions that would actually do include a whole bunch of different animated moments that would need the services of uh, Dave McChenner and it's actually quite fascinating to look upon his work and yet never fully got any credit for some of the stuff that he has actually done. He is just mostly working behind the scenes and uh, it even mentioned that he would help out and like some of the bigger animators like Milk Call. And um, at the very least, like one good thing to mention is that he did would go and uh, climb up the ladder in terms of like working at Disney where not only did he do a lot of stuff for the Disney parks but he would also end up becoming a co-director for The Great Mouse Detective which I will say yes it is one of my favorite Disney animated films I put it among my top 10 a lot of fun to watch highly enjoyable and um, you know seeing that he did contribute a lot like even the days of Walt, where he would work on stuff like Sleeping Beauty, Mary Poppins, The Jungle Book, and 101 Dalmatians, and plus the fact that this is a man who has major talent that even Walt Disney himself actually saw. Like, the, like you gotta keep in mind, it was Walt Disney who actually hired him to work on the animation on some Disney projects. So, it real, so like, this man actually knows his stuff this is a man who actually does have some good talent in terms of what he can do so it really is sad to see him go and only now do we actually get a chance to recognize his works to see what um to see what he did contribute to disney because uh this is a man who actually did work hard for the company and really devoted like three decades of his time to make some great animation for the company and yes this man will absolutely be missed and uh yeah so if you got like i highly recommend you guys to go and try to look up some of the works of dave mchenner in his honor to see his animation style and a lot of the beautiful things that he has done for disney so yeah, Mr. Bachenner, I just want to say thank you so much for your great service at Disney and in the animation field in general, and you will surely be missed. Okay, so for our next story, we got a bit of an unexpected news, but yeah, this is actually going to be pretty big. There isn't a lot to mention what's going on in here, but really, it does show that there's going to be a major future going on at Cartoon Network. And what I'm talking about is actually going to be regarding Butch Hardman, where on May 3rd, Butch Hardman came right out of nowhere on his YouTube channel, officially revealing that he is actually going to be working at Cartoon Network. Now, he actually did went and post a video that is literally titled that, Butch Hardman working at Cartoon Network, where a few months ago he officially revealed that after 20 years working at Nickelodeon producing such shows 
as uh, Tough Puppy, Bunsen is a Beast, Fairly Odd Parents, Danny Phantom, and so much more. Uh, he decided to leave the studio in great terms, and now he's got to be going back to a little bit of his origins where he's going to work at Cartoon Network. And in the video itself, I'm just going to say right now that it doesn't give out any form of information of what he's going to do at Cartoon Network. Like, the short thing that he is talking about now, or like the only thing he mentioned, is just the fact that now he has a job at Cartoon Network. Literally the rest of the video is just him telling his story about how he worked at Cartoon Network in the past. How he worked at Cartoon Network during its very beginnings, uh, during the late 80s, I think in the late 80s and early 90s, or maybe just in the 90s, where he would go and discuss about how he worked uh, back in the days when it was known as Hanna-Barbera Studios, and then suddenly the whole studio got converted into Cartoon Network, and they would talk about the very beginnings and his relationships with other people at the time, at the very beginning of Cartoon Network, how he spent his time working with uh, other people such as uh, uh, David Feist, the creator of Cow and Chicken, uh, uh, Gendy Tartakovsky, the creator of Dexter's Laboratory. Uh, he would also talk about Van Partible, the creator of Johnny Bravo, and how Dan... Well, how I'm sorry, not Dan, but uh, Butch Hardman would go and climb up the ladder. How he talked about when he did some uh, background designs for Dexter's Laboratory, or how he would go up to become like a director and a writer at Johnny Bravo, and even talked about his relationship with Seth MacFarlane back in the day when they were just both geeky little writers in uh, Johnny Bravo and. Like, his highlight at the time was pretty much when he would go and actually uh, work on the episode Johnny Bravo meets Adam West, where they all actually end up meeting Adam West himself for the episode. And then he would talk about how he would have to leave Cartoon Network and he would go to Nickelodeon and how he got hired from there where he would go and create Fairly Odd Parents. So he pretty much gave his whole background when working with Nickelodeon, but, uh, well, not Nickelodeon, I mean, like, he gave his whole whole background when he did work at Cartoon Network. Don't worry about the phone, uh, I'm sure it'll get picked up somehow. Uh, but anyways, uh, as I was saying, yes, with, uh, with Butch Hardman, he gave his whole Cartoon Network story, and now he is actually back at Cartoon Network. Uh, the only thing we don't know right now is what he is going to do for Cartoon Network. We don't know if he's actually going to be working on a TV show, if he's just going to be a consultant. We don't know what is clearly happening. But honestly, the idea of having Butch Hardman in Cartoon Network is a major step up for the channel. This is actually really big news for them. Because the thing with uh, having Butch Hardman is that he is known as uh, a prominent television animation legend. This is a man who really did... Uh, make a name for himself especially at Nickelodeon where he actually created one of their most successful shows ever with the Fairly Odd Parents, and would also contribute to other major popular series for that channel right over there like like I said before with Danny Phantom with Bunsen is a Beast with Tough Puppy and many more now that he is back at car now that he is 
in Cartoon Network, they really do have that star power. They really do have a not like just a television and they, they actually do have a television animation veteran working for them and now he might actually do some stuff for them so that maybe butch hardman will actually go and contribute his legacy onto the channel that currently is right now running stuff like adventure time and steven universe and the amazing world of gumball and all that kind of stuff we just don't know yet what he is going to do but this is really a strong sign for Cartoon Network that they are getting some star power into the mix in order to pr produce some television animation. Maybe this can actually work out well for them. And I know there have been a lot of talks where people are mentioning that, you know, uh, Cartoon Network is kind of losing their touch right now. Like kind of their golden age of the 2010s, like it's kind of decreasing. But maybe with Butch Hardman on board, this could actually help pick up some slack like even though we know there are some shows right now like uh, Clarence and Adventure Time they're going to be over soon but maybe Butch Hartman could be the person that can deliver some strong TV shows maybe he can actually create his next big series like somewhere in the ranks of like Fairly Odd Parents. he can deliver it onto Cartoon Network so it's going to be an interesting move but as of right now we don't know what's going to be happening with Cartoon Network and Butch Hartman, but I would like to say to Mr. Hartman that I wish him the best of luck working at the studio, and I wish Cartoon Network the best of luck with uh, what these two powerhouses can do in order to go and create some great animated shows. Alright, so for our next story that we have right over here, we are going to be discussing about DreamWorks Animation. And I'm going to be going a little bit more into the business side of things because right now it really does say a lot regarding what DreamWorks Animation is currently doing and how they're not really the animation studio that they used to be back in the 2000s and the early 2010s and stuff like that. And I don't necessarily mean that in a bad way. Because the thing is, is that this week... Hulu actually had a whole press conference going on where they had a big presentation and a big celebration due to the fact that they now have over 20 million subscribers. Yes, there are 20 million subscribers in America alone that have subscribed to Hulu. So they've mentioned about that and they are talking about you know, their next big future plans. Like, what are they going to do in order for them to go and really grow as a company? Now, one of the big things that they have mentioned is that they have signed an exclusive deal or a multi-year deal with DreamWorks Animation. Now, if I may read a little bit onto my source here in the Animation Magazine, it stated... Sure to give a boost to the streamer is the just-announced multi-year deal with DreamWorks Animation for exclusive U.S. streaming video on-demand rights to the studio's library titles, new releases starting in 2019, and new original series starting in 2010. Highly anticipated feature films will become Hulu exclusives, including How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, The Boss Baby 2, and Trolls 2. Hulu Originals, inspired by current and future films and franchises, will be developed and produced by DreamWorks Animation Television. 
So right now what's going on is that DreamWorks Animation is going to be making a deal in order to go and create some exclusive content for Hulu. And on top of that, even getting their movies onto that streaming service. Now, this really does say a lot about DreamWorks Animation. I mean, yes, it's great with Hulu and all their things, but what I really want to focus right now is actually regarding the side of DreamWorks Animation. Because the thing is right now, if you guys kept track, you'll notice that out of all the animation studios out there, rather it be for television or for feature films, there is no other company out there that is more dedicated and that is more serious about making content for streaming services than DreamWorks Animation. Because right now, they're, right now they're actually on all the big platforms. Not only are they now on Hulu, but they're also really big on Netflix, and they just added themselves onto Amazon. Not too long ago, they did make the announcement that they're going to make a TV series based on the adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle and a brand new Kung Fu Panda series. So right now, they really are putting themselves onto every single streaming service out there or, you know, pretty much grab whatever they can. And on top of that, they really are big on Netflix. Like, not only do they have tons of animated series there, but some of them are actually some of the most acclaimed exclusive series that you can find on Netflix, especially with Troll Hunters and the upcoming Tales of Arcadia trilogy. Like, that thing is really big there. And on top of that, there are a lot of their series that they do on Netflix that would be grabbing Emmys left to right. Like, you would be shocked at all the awards that All Hail King Julian would actually get. So they really are serious about making TV shows for streaming services. And even and on top of that, uh, just last week, one of the big animation news that actually did occur is that DreamWorks Animation is starting to be fully dedicated to partner up with Universal Pictures since they actually did announce that they are going to make an animated series based on the Fast and Furious franchise. So like I said, there is no other company out there that is more dedicated to make content for streaming services more so than DreamWorks Animation. Like, this is a company that truly does believe that streaming services is the future of television. That's how it's going to be. Like, they, they can see that eventually cable television is soon going to fall and that they have to go and adapt and really you know, embrace the future, which is why they're really going ahead with stuff like Netflix and Amazon and Hulu. And what I meant at the beginning that DreamWorks Animation is no longer the same company as they were before, you got to accept that eventually when it comes to DreamWorks Animation, it's not just movies that's really their bread and butter. I mean, sure, that does play a big factor in DreamWorks Animation, and yeah, that's one of their key components, but you got to accept now that it's not just that. They're not just an animation studio making movies. They also go and create a whole bunch of TV shows. And it would not surprise me if in the future that Dream that DreamWorks Animation, like with their television assets and making TV shows, that's going to be a lot more successful and a lot bigger than it will be with their movies. I mean... Let's face facts. Sadly, when it comes to DreamWorks Animation, 
they have yet to really make a big movie that is in the veins of some of their more successful films like Shrek or Madagascar or How to Train Your Dragon or Kung Fu Panda. I mean, sure, yeah, they have released some big hits like The Crudes or The Boss Baby or Trolls, but they didn't necessarily have that big impact as much as the other animated franchises that they have under their disposal. Like, sure, they are new, but they're not, like, highly praised or highly beloved as some of the movies back then. But with the TV shows that they offer, that's like a whole new story. That's like a whole new venture that they're uh, expanding upon. And really, uh, that that could be something that... I I'm surprised there has yet to have... Like, we have yet to really see other animation studios really trying to grow upon the TV network. I mean, sure, there are some other companies that do... Uh, try to make that like of course Disney has theirs and Sony well, uh, well let's be honest uh, that's kind of a bust right there with the TV shows that they brought up uh, but yeah like really DreamWorks Animation they are fully dedicated to create TV shows as much as they are creating movies so that really is an interesting step for DreamWorks Animation and you know just Looking at what we see right now with what DreamWorks Animation has become, yeah, they really are a company that is thriving, that they really are going big, but it's not in the way that you might think. They're not, you know, it's no longer, like, the company right now is no longer just sustaining on animated features and rely on the box office for their profit. They also rely on the TV shows, and they're really going well with that, especially with their uh, contracts and the deals that they've made with companies like Netflix, with Hulu, and with Amazon. So, really, it does explain a lot about DreamWorks Animation, and I think, really, we, we would have to look at DreamWorks in a brand new way, that they're no longer just the animation studio that we knew, that now they are the animation studio that makes animation, not just for movies, but also for television. So yeah, overall, this really is a great example of how DreamWorks Animation is growing its own animation empire. And maybe they actually are doing a lot better than how they were back then in the mid 2000s, you know, when things were going down and they were getting all the box office bombs and they ended up have to be bought off by Comcast and now they have to be under the universal umbrella. But yeah, I think honestly at this point, like with their television assets, they're get they're becoming a lot better than they were before. And so finally, we shall now go and end things off with Animat's pick of the week. And this week, well, let's be honest, it's a little bit of the opposite of what happened last week, where, if you recall, last week we had a whole abundance of animation news where I had to carefully pick, like, which are the good big ones that are really worth talking about. But this, uh, this week, though, we're a little bit running dry. It, we didn't really have much animation news, and, like, honestly, I felt like I had to go and, like, clean up some of the scraps in order to find something to at least talk about. But, uh, there is one movie news that was released. This is not necessarily animation, but this is honestly something that is 
really worth talking about, at least for me, that really does um, go into my interests. And I'll tell you right now, one of my one of my favorite TV shows and one of my biggest influences in comedy is actually Monty Python's Flying Circus. I love Monty Python. I love everything Monty Python. Uh, I love a lot of their sketches, and of course I love a lot of their movies, especially with the uh, classic itself, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Well, there is something a little bit related to that, and honestly, it's been a long time coming, at least how I feel about it. Uh, apparently, 20th Century Fox has officially announced that they are going to be making a film adaptation of the Tony Award-winning Broadway musical Spamalot, in which Spamalot is actually the Broadway version of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And they actually brought on board, uh, so far, some of the people that actually did work on the Broadway show. Now, the creator of the uh, musical itself, Eric Idle, who is one of the original members of Monty Python's Flying Circus, and actually did appear in uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, he is actually on board to go and write the script, while they got Casey Nicola to be the director of the film. Now, I think this is actually going to be his directorial debut, at least for a feature film, but beforehand, he would actually be known as a Tony-nominated choreographer and even a director, where just recently... Uh, he really hit big with uh, a, bra uh, a play adaptation of Mean Girls, where right now he just got nominated for Best Director and Best Choreographer. And some of the stuff that he actually did work upon uh, would include bro uh, hit Broadway shows such as The Book of Mormon and Disney's Aladdin. And on top of that, one of his first Broadway jobs is actually to be a choreographer for St for uh, Spamalot, which is why he is on board now to work as the director of the movie. Now, we don't necessarily know any more information uh, outside of that, but that's all that we know, that Fox is going to make a movie version of Spamalot, Eric Idle is on board to go and write the script, and also the choreographer, uh, uh, what is, yeah, Casey Nicola, is going to be the director of the film. Now, this is honestly very interesting, and a lot of people might find that there is a bit of an irony where the adaptation is now pretty much all over the place, where what you have here is a movie that's based on a Broadway show, that's based on a movie, that's based on the Arthurian legend. And I know, it, it seems like we're, we're living a little bit in some kind of paradox, but you gotta keep in mind, this is not the first time that this has happened before, where you got a movie based on a Broadway, based on, uh, based on a Broadway show, based on a movie. Where beforehand, uh, one great example that I can think of is actually uh, The Producers by Mel Brooks, where you got the 2005, uh, you got the 2005 Producers, which is actually based on the Broadway show of The Producers, which is actually based on the movie The Producers, all of which Mel Brooks had a hand upon. And I just want to say right now that when it comes to the uh, 2005 Producers movie with Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick, I would actually say that that is the bit, like, that is my first choice. Like, that is the one movie that I would immediately go and say that I really, really like that 
everyone else hates. I know that a lot of people give crap about it, and I do see some of the points regarding like some of the flaws and stuff like that, but I honestly absolutely adore that movie. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> but yeah, uh, but going back into the idea that Spamalot is gonna be a movie, honestly, I thought to myself that this is a long time coming because if there is a Broadway show out there that would actually be turned into a film musical, then of course it would be Spamalot because it really does have the potential and because of the fact that it is Monty Python, it is easily like kind of, you know, it's easily malleable, it, it, you know, it's interchangeable so that you can actually fit into a movie setting. Like that can actually work. Now I know that like it would seem weird to really go and like bring Monty Python to the new age and stuff like that. And I mean, like in a way, some people would consider this a remake to Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And I know some people might might like back off on the idea and stuff like that. But honestly, I can, I, you know, honestly, in the right hands, I can totally see Spamalot as a feature film. There are ways that you can actually take what was on stage and you can turn that into a movie and especially with the case that this is Monty Python and it's famous random humor it can actually work like you can actually set it up into a film environment where it is going to be a little bit more different than how it is on stage but you can make a lot of gags like instead of making like Broadway jokes and all that stuff you can make it more into a movie setting so I can see the ways that it can work but of course like it can fall into the traps of where maybe it might not work and there could be a lot of pratfalls and a lot of mistakes that it can go now keep in mind not all Broadway musicals uh, turn into a movie turn out to be amazing like sure there there are some great examples out there like uh, Chicago and stuff like that but then you would also get things like the Phantom of the Opera where it doesn't really work out especially when you got uh, a lead singer who's supposed to be like this grand uh, you, you know supposed to be like the best singer out of all of them it turns out to be the weakest singer out of all of them so really you have to be careful with how you can adapt something like Spamalot. And I will say, but this is probably a piece of information uh, I forgot to mention. That is kind of important. But yes, I have actually seen the Broadway show myself. I remember when I was a, a teenager, probably I think it's already been more than 10 years ago, where I actually was in New York City and I actually saw Monty, uh, I actually saw Monty Python Spamalot. And I probably got the worst seats in town because... Like, literally just behind me is uh, the control panel where they control all the lights and all that kind of stuff. So, I was literally way, way in the back. I was legit in the cheap seats. But then I remember a day later, it got better because I got really, really good seats for the Broadway version of uh, the producers. So, I guess it kind of worked out. But yes, I can say that I have seen the Broadway show myself. Um, it's really a lot of fun. It is hilarious. And um, honestly, it's just a wonderful, wonderful show. It really is how you can bring uh, Spamalot onto, uh, like it, it is how you could take Monty Python 
and bring it to Broadway. And now we are seeing it coming to, uh, you know, now that we're going to see this coming onto the big screen, it'll be interesting to see how they can go. But honestly, I think the one thing that people really need to keep an eye on is actually regarding Casey Nicola, because this guy worked a lot more on Broadway than he did on uh, on movies and stuff like that. And that can debatably be the biggest pratfall, like the biggest downfall for some movies that are based on Broadway musicals, where they would bring in Broadway people and tell them to go and make a movie. So it really does depend if Casey Nicola really is capable to have uh, a filmmaker's eye and actually turn Spamalot into something for the big screen instead of just like, you know, you know, pretty much taking what's already on stage and put that into film. There is a bit of a fine line. You can't make a, like you cannot film a Broadway show. You got to make a movie based on uh, a broad, like you got to make a movie based on a Broadway show. You can't film a Broadway show basically. So that's kind of the big thing with uh, Spamalot. But for me, as a Monty Python man, uh, as, a, as a Monty Python fan, as someone who really enjoyed Spamalot when it was on Broadway, I do wish both Casey Nicola and Eric Idle the best of luck. And we'll have to wait and see with how it will go with Spamalot. And so, with all that said and done, that is going to be it for this week. So thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the Animation Podcast. You can go ahead and find more of my work at film-book.com. All you have to do is search for Mathieu Brunet or the Animation Podcast. You can also go ahead and find me on Twitter at Animat505. Now, if you have listened to this podcast on iTunes or any other podcast service, do you mind doing us a little bit of a favor and rate and review this episode? And also, if you are listening to this podcast on YouTube, then hit that like button on our video and leave us a comment on your thoughts on the news this week. Now, don't forget to go to my YouTube channel to see all sorts of crazy videos related to animation. So thank you guys so much for listening. And until next time, see you later, dudes.